So is anyone actually getting music? Nope. All right. Well, my computer over there says we're playing music, but none of us is hearing it. Guitar Ladies time. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, yeah. Where's my guitar? I need my guitar. Oh, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll get oh my God, guitar for outro music. Oh. Anyways, hi, boys and girls. Welcome <laughs> um, to more movie. technical difficulties. Yeah. Hey, you assured us we were done with this. No, I okay. I did assure you we were done with technical difficulties, but what I meant is I assured you that you wouldn't have to wait 417 seconds to hear me speak. Um, hi, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, TopSpeed.com podcast, because it's Thursday. Hi. Um, I am no longer in Colorado, so you can actually see me and you can actually hear me, and I'm not... Oh, yay, because I have the YouTube window open and we're replaying. Awesome. <laughs> now that you've made the wow. joke, here comes the reverb. Nope, I got it fixed. We're good. Um, <laughs> Maybe. That one's not me. <laughs> Hashtag epic fail. <laughs> wow. So I'm assuming that you just opened up the YouTube window, didn't you, Justin? No, it wasn't me. I swear that wasn't me. My hands are off my mouth, so I don't... That's... I was reaching for my camera whenever that happened, so uh, <clears throat> that's well, got to well, be uh, someone whose last name starts with an M and not a, doesn't have a C in the second word. I'm just going to say, like, it got it got really loud all of a sudden on your end, Justin. So, can we just talk about cars? You know what? I think yes. I think we probably could if if you guys really wanted to. I mean, we could do like art or music, you know. What happened on the latest sitcom last night, you know? <laughs> Should we start singing Kumbaya? You know, cuz I watch TV a lot. Kumbaya. Yeah, something, you know, whatever. <laughs> Kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. All right, you know what? Uh, hi, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's TopSpeed.com <laughs> podcast because it's Thursday. TopSpeed.com is your internet home for all the crazy, cool, and amazing automotive things that are out there. But as a motor and wheels, we like to talk about it. If you are still here, thank you tremendously for putting up with us and yeah. whatever it is that we are. I just, we, Wow. We should start screwing up like this all the time. We just got a brand new subscriber on the YouTube, says my email. Yes. Nice. <laughs> right this welcome, welcome, new subscriber. We sound like a bunch of drunken hicks from Friday night. Yes. Uh, we're really smart, we promise. Yeah, some guy <laughs> named named Fins. So welcome, Fins. Um, anyways, uh, well, hello again. I am back from Colorado. I am normal, and we're going to start the TopSpeed.com podcast with Weekly Wheels like we always do. Uh, let's start with you, Mark. You were driving something boring. Yeah. Um, wow, this is a great start to the podcast. Um, so anyway, yeah, I was in the, the 2014 Toyota Corolla. And uh, while, yes, it is a rather dull and uninspired car, apparently everyone in, in the entire world and all of our readership really love this car because I've gotten more comments on this article than any of the other ones I've ever written. So really? many people have opinions about the Corolla, and um, a lot of it is super positive, and they're like, oh, yeah, I love this car, and this is, you know, it's a great commuter car and all this sort of stuff, and I have to say, yes, yes, it is. It's a great commuter car. I mean, the little thing is um, it's it's darn good at what it does, and it saves fuel pretty much everywhere you go. Um, the tester I had was the LE, which is like the mid-grade level, and then the Eco, which is... Um, well, it's the economy part, and uh, this one, uh, it was it was actually really cool. 
Okay, so this has 140 horsepower and 126 pound-feet of torque coming from a 1.8 liter naturally aspirated inline four. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, that, yeah, it's the economy model, but it also makes more horsepower than the standard model. And that's because the engine is, I guess, built better or built more for um, saving fuel, and they also gotten more power out of it. You know, kind of as a side thing too. So um, it's not a whole lot of power more, but it is still more. Um, but the sad thing is, though, it comes with a CVT, and the CVT kind of kills the fun with this car. I think if it had a manual, it'd be awesome. But um, the CVT works great at saving gas, but it kind of doesn't for making it a fun car. So you know, one one thing I really liked about your tester was was the balls that uh, Toyota showed with that color combination. <laughs> Dude, seriously, like I've always said, if I ever buy a truck, like a Ford truck, you know, American truck, it's gonna be green with tan interior. And this car is like, <laughs> it's like my Ford truck, you know. And um, it is, it's really interesting. I've never seen a car ever have that color combination, and it was very um, unique. Yeah, it took me a few minutes of looking at it to kind of start liking it at first. I'm like, oh, God, that's ugly. It reminds me of like the old Plymouth Grand Fury green on green <laughs> baby poop colors. Yes. Uh, so it took me a little bit to get used to it. But once I looked closer, I'm like, wow, that's actually kind of a cool combination. You don't see it too often. No, I mean, you never see this. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's very different from the gray and black, you know, that we're used to seeing on cars these days. But, um, yeah, when it first showed up in the driveway, I was like, oh, great, Park Ranger special. You know, like, so, you know, hey, I need to put um, on my hat. <laughs> I just wanted to apologize to both of you for a second because uh, I was just giving you kind of hateful looks, and I was yelling at my microphone a little bit because you guys weren't listening to anything I tried to say. That's because my microphone is muted because I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, that's great for you. I've not had my energy drink. I'm going to crack that open. Yeah, I tried to say I think green and tan is very nice. I like seeing tan interior. Like you were saying, it's not something we see very often. But you guys were just ignoring me, and I couldn't figure out why. Actually, we did that on purpose. Your microphone wasn't muted. No, no. Like I, I looked up, and I'm like, oh, oh, button. Boop. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, um, I, I kind of felt like it was the Park Ranger special. Like I needed to put on my... Uh, Smoky bear hat and I'd be like, don't start forest fires, kids. But um, <laughs> no, it grew on me. It really did. Uh, it, it's fine for um, for the car. I think it's it's just different. Um, driving impressions, it was great. Um, it's really tossable. Light steering, even though it's electronic, and um, you know, it's it's peppy enough for what it is. Yeah, what I'm what I'm really waiting for is for Toyota to to go back to delivering just just a mile performance version, like back in the old, what was it called, the XRS, just a little bit more horsepower, just a little bit more, it'd be nice. Yeah, they have the Corolla S, and I, I have driven that in the past, uh, It is a, I drove the 2014 back when the, the car was launched uh, last summer, I got mm -hmm. to drive the S, it does have the manual transmission, but it does have the base model of 1.8, which has like 136 horsepower, something like that, so it's not actually as powerful as the Eco, but it still feels peppy enough for, you know, tapping around town and stuff. It it doesn't. Uh, I don't think it's a penalty box by any means. No, I just I just missed the days. You know, that's back when uh, Toyota put the the same engine that was in I think it was the Matrix uh, mm. XRS into the Toyota Corolla as well. Yeah. It had like 180 horsepower. I think is what it had. Uh, so a little bit of a pep to it. You know, nothing outrageous, but it's kind of something that could compete with say the Civic Si or something like that. 
Yeah, I mean, well, then again, we have some comments to throw into our conversation real, real quick. Oh, cool. All right. Benz, our newest subscriber, says, My first car was a 1977 LTD with green metallic paint, green vinyl interior, green Ooh. carpet, and a green dash. We How do you know? It, wait, wait, it, it, it gets better. We called it the Dragon Wagon. <laughs> <laughs> you know that carpet had to be, like, three inches thick. Like, high-pile carpet. Oh, yeah. Oh, the so, LTD. Wow. Oh, you gotta love you gotta love the colors of the '70s. They're just awesome. They they didn't care. They said, "Okay, let's do this color." <laughs> oh, dude, seriously. And everything it was in on cars. Too. Like I remember growing up in a house with a refrigerator that was avocado green, and it <laughs> it matched it matched the uh the dishwasher and the stove. Yeah, and then they had the ones that were like that yellow that faded to brown on the edges. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. Sunburst, mustard, mustard burst. Yes. <laughs> Back in the day, and we're all going to, like, somehow have a revitalization of it, and we're going to buy crap like that. It, just give it 10 years. Yeah, well, we're already getting back into the colors in, in general, so who knows. Um, so, so Mark was driving something kind of boring. Um, I was also driving something kind of boring, but not as boring, I don't think. Um, last week... Uh, for what time I did get to drive with it, sadly, because I was in Colorado for most of the week, I didn't get to spend that much time with it. But um, 2015 Buick LaCrosse, and um, hey, really does not suck at all. Oh, yours was the 15. Yes, yes, any brand changes, new 2015 LaCrosse. Any changes between 14 and 15 on that? Um, I didn't drive a 14. I've only been in a 13, but from what I know, there's almost no changes there. If you guys remember when I first talked about the 13, I thought it's peppy enough, really comfortable, but uh, the interior design was kind of crappy. Like, there was no room for things, and it felt really closed in. That's been fixed. Oh, that's so, good. Like, nice. the, same, the same new, like, weird dual cockpit design with the big swoopy dash is all still there, just like it was. But everything's been moved a bit. So, like, the center console is now down, like, six inches. So you oh. don't feel so closed in. And the front of the dash has been pushed out, like, a couple of inches, and it's sculpted a little bit more, so it feels roomier. And there's mm. more cubbies. The door pockets got bigger. I now have, like, three cubbies in the dash instead of just, like, the one tiny cup, cup holder. The glove box got bigger. Like, they've just added more storage space everywhere. That's good, because, yeah. you know, married people have holders in storage space. Right. Uh, they increased the interior design a little bit. So before I had, like, the wood on the dash. Now I've got the wood, and there's, like, this really nice little aluminum trim that runs right across the top of it. Looks really, really sharp. Um, they did cut down on the LED interior mood lighting thing. So I, th I thought it was cool to have, but it also looks a little classier without it. Because when I go back and I look at the old car versus the new car, I'm like, well, okay, that does look a little bit boy wonder look at the LEDs I added to my car. So, but, um... I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I would hands down take that over the Lexus ES that I had. Oh, I bet. There is a problem with that, though. My Lexus ES was like $36,000 or something, and uh, this one is $46,000. Ooh, that's but, a Buick. And I can attest to this. The Buick has fast internet. It does. So, yeah, um, the base price of the Buick is $40,000. And for the base price, you get all kinds of crap. So let's go ahead and take a look at some of this. You get the 3.6-liter V6, which if you've driven any GM product, you know what this engine is. It's a solid engine. Um, it's the same one they put in the Cadillac. 300-plus horses, give give or take. I've got a six-speed automatic. Really smooth, nice and peppy. Um, we've got 20-inch alloys, standard. LED lights, wow. standard. Uh, HID headlamps, so the, the LEDs are rear lights. 
HID headlamp standard. Chrome accents on the handles. The outside mirrors are heated with auto dimming and memory, and they'll adjust themselves. Plus, I've got the ultrasonic rear parking assist thing. I've got leather seating with heating and cooling. Again, this is all standard. Eight-way power seats, 11-speaker Bose stereo, 8-inch color display, uh, fancy keyless entry with push-button start, a remote start, heated leather steering wheel. Uh, da, da, da. What else is fancy on here? Uh, custom interior lighting, auto-dimming rearview mirrors, cruise control. Oh, I have a power rear sun sunshade. Again, that's standard. Oh, that's Plus, and here's the big thing that me and Mark was just, we're, we're talking about, Wi-Fi in the car, built-in 4G LTE Wi-Fi, standard. Navigation, standard. Bluetooth with phone and all that stuff, and lots of power outlets, all standard for 40 grand. So when you go that way, it's actually a pretty solid deal. Most of my add-on options were crap I wouldn't want anyways, like adaptive cruise control with automatic braking, I don't like the vibrating seat thing, which is one of my things. Um, the heads-up display, which, by the way, I found out you can barely use with polarized sun sunglasses, so I don't want that. Yeah, that's a good um, one too. My paint, which is a cool color white, thousand dollars. Thanks. Yeah, the the only option this car had that I would probably want would be the power moonroof, because um, it's one of the big ones that goes like all the way back to the second row. Yeah. So I like lots of glass on top. That would be the only option I would get. So my car would be about $41,000. That's not too bad. Right. Yep. So for a couple grand less than – or sorry, for about the same price rather as the Lexus ES that I drove, I would take this in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah I, really, I really like the direction GMs go with Buick. They're kind of like putting it as a almost like a Lexus Infinity competitor now instead of being like grandma's car. Then I right. make it more upscale to bring them all in from uh, from Europe and, and, and rebadge them and make them look really nice and load them up mm -hmm. obviously with a whole bunch of crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, if nobody knows, almost almost every Buick we have right now is German built. They're, they're all Opals. Yep. And the yeah. Regal is about to go that way. Yeah, and you know the thing about it is, is you know, uh, America is getting to the point where we are not the prime Buick market. It's China. China, yeah. China is all about some Buick. Like, forget BMW, forget Lexus. It's Buick. That's what they want. And uh, you know, GM is really catering to that market over there. And I think that you know, it's good for Buick because hopefully we'll get some of that back too. But um, you know, I mean, Buick's on the up and up. They're yeah. they're coming back from you know being grandma's car. Yeah, that's the and problem. They still have that stigma attached to them. I think that's why the Chinese market is kind of their goal right now until yeah. we kind of get over that stigma of its grandma's car. Have you seen yeah. their new ad where you can't find the Buick in the parking lot because they don't yeah. look like Buicks anymore? <laughs> I like that ad. But um, I, I, I want to spend some more time talking about this 4G LTE thing. So, again, to my knowledge, this is the first car in North America, period, that comes standard with 4G LTE Wi-Fi, and it freaking works. So yeah. I drove out into the middle of the town, turned it on, and I called Mr. Mark McNabb on my little tablet. I've, I've got I've got a little Android tablet thing, and uh, great. In fact, I dare say our little Google Hangout chat that we had ran almost better than my mine is running here at the house. No, it did run better because you were not chalky at all. Like, it was quick. See? And then I, I ran some comparison tests against my cell phone. <laughs> my cell phone was actually slightly faster over my AT&T network. I don't know what network runs the car yet. Uh, I'm, I've sent in an email. I'm going to find out. But um, I do have to say about the car, the car was more stable. It's like my phone got faster peak, peak, peak speed, but when you watch the chart for my phone, it was like up and down and up and down for how fast the thing was. The car went up to like 16 megabumps a second and then just held. Wow. Like, really fast, really solid. 
and it's freaking standard. And if you don't want to pay $40,000, because I've got the Premium 2 1SR trim level of the Buick LaCrosse, you can get like a lower level LaCrosse that won't cost you 40, 40 grand. Yeah. And when you have kids in the car, like if I know Buick is trying to get away from grandmas, but if you're a grandma and you're tired of the kids in the back whining and yelling and screaming, buy this car. They have the Wi-Fi. They can watch Netflix on their tablets and leave you alone. Yes. So you can drive to Vigo without having to hear them holler. Yeah, I also have to give props for the fuel economy. Um, sticker says 18.28 with a combined of 21. I spent about 200 miles in this car, and about 70 of those were full throttle beating the crap out of it down these back, back roads because it was hilarious how badly it handled when you really beat on it. <laughs> I was oh, I just giggling at how terribly I was understeering everywhere. Oh, I thought you were about to sing praises for it. No, 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 no. It's still a Buick in handling. Nice. <laughs> really well, I, I do. I actually to... almost made myself car sick. Oh, driving? <laughs> yes, because I was swinging left and right through these bends, and the car would just heave, and I had to stop. And I'm like, okay. Oh, and, uh, by the way, just to clear something up, you don't have to contact Buick about who runs their network. It's Verizon. Okay. Um, well, so AT&T network in Knoxville is much faster than Verizon, but Verizon is more stable. So like should always go with Verizon. Yeah, well, so I, I, I peaked at like 16 on Verizon, and um, I've hit close to 40 megabytes per second before on my iPhone for AT&T. Whew. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. That's incredible. Right? I know what Fast, I can hit on my phone. Faster than my home internet. I'm like, holy crap. Wow. Now, speaking of fuel economy, I do want to go back to the Corolla real quick. This thing gets 30 MPG city, 35 combined, and 42 highway for $19,000. But what did you actually get? I'm pretty darn close to that. It was actually, um, I think I averaged right at like 32, and okay. I was not easy on the car. Not. I averaged 26 in my Buick. 26. That's pretty good. Yeah, considering the combined is 21, and yeah. I mean literally, I've because I only had the car for like two days. I thought, well, I have a full a full tank of gas. Let's waste it. <laughs> Use it. Use it. <laughs> Right, we also, I found out in yeah, but one 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 last thing about wasting gas. The Buick, if you put it in the little sport mode, will hold gears to redline and just let you sit there going. Wang yang 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 yang. Grandma will love that. Oh yeah. So I'm like on the highway going 55, just like decked out in a second. And I would stare at people as I drove past them, like I'm so fast and so furious. It was. But I know you didn't really do that. No, I totally did. Like, I would just eyeball him as I went past him, like, 57 miles an hour in a 55. The car just bouncing off of the red line. <laughs> it was awesome. But Mark also had another car. I did. Uh, that he drove. Let's, let's talk about that one. It's sort of the mix between our two cars a little bit. Uh, yeah, sort of. It's still Toyota, uh, but it's a little more um, luxurious, a little like more Buick. Yeah, yeah. So I drove the all-new, completely brand-new for 2015, the Lexus NX. Now, this is the crossover that's sort of below the RX, but it's still a swanky SUV. And uh, by swanky, I mean, have you seen this thing? Like, the outside is, like, crazy. Um, it looks like Alien vs. Predator with a little bit of a Bane for Batman. But um, what are you mean? <laughs> I really like it though. Like it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of time to get used to. It, in fact, it's uh, it's pretty nice. Um, I spent the majority of my time in the F Sport, which is the 
the base model plus the extra little suspension bits, extra add-on, good-looking stuff, and uh, some sports seats. And uh, I have to say, this thing handled decently well for being a crossover. In fact, it didn't really act like a crossover at all. Um, it's powered by two liter and then four. Coffee's getting to me, man. I'm telling you. Uh oh. I know. And uh, I mean, it. This this engine is all new for Lexus. In fact, it's Lexus's first turbocharged engine. Um, and and uh, let's see what else. The coolest thing about this thing is it. It differentiates from the auto cycle to the Atkins cycle, depending on how you're driving it and what mode you're in. So really? If you're, yeah, if you're cruising around town, it's an auto, it's an Atkins cycle. So it's just saving fuel like a Prius. And right. uh, as soon as you uh, get on the gas, immediately switches to auto cycle. And so the valves change, variable valve timing uh, switches. It's all, you know, geared to immediately switch over. And, That's actually uh, really impressive. It's really cool. And the thing actually has uh, its exhaust bank, exhaust valve bank built into the head, and the turbo is bolted directly onto that. So there is, like, zero turbo lag. And it's a it's a twin-scroll turbocharger. So uh, when, like, uh, cylinders 1 and 4 go off, they're pushing gas out. And then cylinders 2 and 3 go off, they're pushing uh, gas out. So it's it's const the turbo is constantly getting uh, exhaust pressure, which keeps it on boost pretty much, you know, whenever you're on the gas hard, um, and it makes 235 horsepower and 258 pound-feet of torque. So I mean, it's it's enough to move the car around pretty sufficiently. It's 17 pounds of boost. So so now I'm thinking, why yeah. the hell isn't this little engine in a Corolla? Well, I, I think we're gonna see that Corolla R. I think yeah. that engine's going to make its way to a lot of different vehicles. It's going to – different variants here and there, but there's going to be a well, bunch yeah. of them. I, I, yeah. I think that this is going to be their 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 replacement for the 3.5. I think this is going to be their new mainline engine in basically everything that they do. Yeah, because, like, I mean, it was so smooth. Like, it, it had no NHV um, or NVH uh, issues at all. It was really quiet. Um, it moved this, this crossover – Around pretty sufficiently without any, um, you know, you know, waiting around for turbo lag or waiting around for it to pick up speed or anything like that. I mean, it's zero to sixty in like seven seconds in a you know thirty-five hundred pound SUV. It's pretty good. So yeah, if this thing was in a Corolla, oh, that'd be fantastic. I mean, the Corolla kind of sucks, but like and and with, with a two hundred plus horsepower, it would suck a lot less. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you would need more than one ninety five series tires in order to you know, put the power. No, again, that's that's the whole beauty of some of these cars. Like the reason that the BRZ is so much fun and the FRS is so much fun is because they don't have massive tires. They're skinny tires and they're Prius low rolling resistance tires. So when you step on the pedal, the back end just goes whoop 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 whoop. Oh my gosh. I don't mess. want to die. So, you know, whatever. But you have to uh, yeah, sometime Mark. So hey now. <laughs> practice dying? I don't think so. So anyway, no drifting, um, but yes, you have to oh. practice dying too. <laughs> I'm, good, I'm good on that. I'm good. Um, so the NX does come with the the hybrid model as well, and that does get the two uh, 2.5 liter uh, hybrid synergy drive little little get up. Um, total output of 194 horsepower, which um, you know is sufficient for moving the car around, and um, it does come with an all-wheel drive system, which is really interesting. On the hybrid. Yeah, oh. so there's there's actually two all-wheel drive systems on this car, on the 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 two point or the two hundred T, which is the base car with the the turbocharger. It comes with a mechanical all-wheel drive system. On the hybrid, it's front-wheel drive, but then it has a 
electric motor on the rear axle getting power from the hybrid system. So uh, it's all drive, but not a mechanical system. So it's really interesting. Uh, and it saves fuel that way, too. So it's really cool. Right, because then you don't have to run all the extra stuff across the chassis and add yeah, weight yeah, and complexity exactly. and drive line drag. Yeah, all right, exactly. cool. Yeah. Well, look at look at Toyota and Lexus yeah. actually doing something cool and interesting again. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. I mean, I mean the car um, the car's pretty cool. We think it's going to uh, start base price around thirty five thousand, go up from there probably about forty thousand for the hybrid and everything like that. So it's good buy. The trunk's kind of small, but there's plenty of people room. I think it's going to compete really well with like the BMW uh, X3 or whatever it is. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be pretty cool. Well, awesome. All yeah. right, so that's cool news. I liked it. Um, I, I guess let's go ahead and move on to more cars. Um, again, as I'm sure all of you are aware, I was in the pit of no internet that was Grand Junction in Colorado <laughs> last week. Like, seriously, my phone didn't even work. Like, my phone would say I had, like, four and a half bars of service, and I'd, like, send a message, and be like, fail. Okay? Yeah, that sucks. It would say, no connection. I'm like, I'm staring at connection. It says connection, but it'd be like, no. So, uh, yeah, the pit of no internet that is Grand, Grand Junction. Um, and while I was there, I drove all of the Miatas. <laughs> Dude, I am so jealous. Like, yeah, dude. You don't even realize how jealous I am right now. Um, I, don't think, I don't think you're allowed to go on You don't even realize how jealous you are yet. Like, <laughs> seriously. So first thing I, I want to say is a tremendous massive thanks to everyone at Flying, Flying Miata. So Bill and Terry Cardell, they're, they're like the owners of this company. Incredibly amazing people. Some of the nicest people I've ever met. All the employees who are there. I mean, gosh, there's... Tammy and there's Keith and Brandon and um, Tiger. I can't remember his last or his first name because I have so many people. Like there was, they've they've they got like 18 or 19 employees. And seriously, every single one of them are some of the nicest people I've ever met. Let alone nicest business people I have ever met. And then there's all the people that showed up for the event. There were like 150 people at this event. I mean, it's huge, biggest one they've ever had. But um, the thing I learned the most about them is every car they make is different. Hmm. So they also all have names, which is awesome. Um, they And they all have names for a very good reason. When you are a company that specializes in one single make of car, when you're like, hey, would you go get the you know, blue 1999 with the turbo kit on it with this roll bar, like that's really annoying and complicated. So instead, they give them all names, so they're easy to refer to. But they've also somehow given every single car a very different personality. So all the cars they have in shop that are shop cars have very major differences, and they all feel completely different from each, from each other. So one of the cars I drove was Yoke. It's an NA, so it's a first gen. It's a yellow one. The engine in it is not a 1.8. It started life as a 1.8, but it's now a high-compression 2-liter stroker. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, so according cool. to according to Keith, the car was dynoed at 175 horsepower and like 145 torque. This was on their old dyno that they know underestimates cars that were under 200. Like if you fall below the 200 horse, horsepower mark, it sort of underestimates the power output based on the way the dyno was, was designed. And this is at the wheels, not at the crank. Mm. So they're guessing it's, well, me, like sort of the talk has been it's maybe 210, 215 at the Crank naturally aspirated. Car has an open yeah, and then the car has an open rear diff. So anytime you step on it, you, you just have like one rear wheel just spinning. So I had this thing on the track. It was the first car I had on the track, and you go to take the first turn, and the car just goes. Wah, 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 wah. 
working. You're like, okay, hold on. And the whole time you're going anywhere, you step on the pedal, and the car is so light and has so much power and torque that the back end just wants to fling itself left and right and sideways and upside down. And it was just a freaking blast to drive. It felt almost a little bit like a muscle car. Hmm. And then you've got That's... Nancy. Nancy was the supercharged target NC that I drove to the top of Pikes, Pikes Peak. Nancy is almost a perfect Miata. Um, so... I'm not a fan of forced induction on Miatas in general because it sort of kills the feel of them. Nancy doesn't have that issue. Because it's a supercharger and the boost is a low-level boost and it builds so smoothly through the through the rev range, it still feels like a Miata. Like, the harder you stand on that gas pedal and the higher you fly through the revs, the faster it pulls and the more energetic and exciting it feels. Like You have that whole Miata thing going on. It's really awesome. But because it has extra low-end torque... It's kind of like my diesel Golf, in which I can be lazy with it, and if I'm on the highway going 55 or 60, I can just sort of give it some gas to pass this guy. I don't have to down downshift all the time. Yeah. So it's like the best of both worlds. You get this awesome, low, throaty torque that you can use anywhere you want to to do anything, but when you want to drive it like a Miata, it still feels like a Miata. That That's car, awesome. Yeah, oh god, that car is so perfect. What's, what's the power output on that one? 240 and 200 torque. And again, and to my knowledge, all these numbers are measured at the wheels. Wow. And they don't what, bother what, to do drive stock NC? What is the stock NC? 172, 168, something like that. Wow. So that means they're getting some decent power out of this. Yeah, no, it's it's like a 40 plus. I think it's 42.3% power increase is what my math said. Wow. And when a car is that little, I mean, that's a, that's a big increase. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Wow. Now, well... <laughs> You've got to elaborate more on Pike's Peak because, I mean, that's that's Pike's Peak. So I got super lucky. Um, when I flew into Denver, they were having massive storms, which is hilarious to me because they weren't that massive. Um, so I like to think of Tennessee and Colorado as mountains and storms. In Tennessee, we have teeny tiny mountains that we call massive, and we have little storms that flood most of the other country. Colorado is the same way, but backwards. They have massive mountains. They're like, man, that's not that big. And then when they get a tiny storm, it shuts everything down. So um, they had about a half inch of rain in a couple of hours, which in Tennessee happens several times a year. Um, that was record-level rainfall for them. Massive flash flooding. Interstate shut down. Highways are shut down the whole nine yards. So I leave Denver, and I know Pikes Peak is close. Um, oh, wait... We have people talking in the chat. Uh, one guy said, my supercharged 96 felt like that, super transparent. Um, Andrew's talking about, Keith said he didn't have a certain turbo, and he did, and Andrew loves his turbo. So uh, I drove the turbo cars. I'll get to those in a second. I'm not sure if I love them or not. Um, so uh, Pikes, Pikes Peak. Anyway, so I, I landed in, in Denver. Like, there's a crash on the interstate. The interstate's really, really, really slow. It's best to go south instead of going straight east on 70. And I'm like, yes, because that's where Pike Peak is. So I'm pointing right towards the peak, and I'm like, we're going to make this happen. Drive down to Colorado Springs, hop on a little toll, toll road to go to Pikes, Pikes Peak, and because of the storms and the fog, there's almost nobody there. Like, literally, in my entire time from the bottom to the top, I hit five cars in 19 miles. And... Three of the five pulled over immediately. Of course, when you're driving an NC with racing livery on it that says Flying Miata on the front in huge black and white letters, and it's got purple and black flames down the side and big numbers on it and everything, people see you coming. 
So um, I'm flying up the mountain, and people are just pulling off for me. It was not until I got almost all the way to the top that I actually got stuck behind somebody who didn't pull over, and that was, I think, a mile from the summit. So um, completely empty road, a little bit slimy, car was a little bit squirrely because I had all that extra power, and um, just fun. That would that would be the word I would I would use. Just fun. It is seriously a bucket list item. There are people who are going to say, well, the road's not that demanding. The road's not that crazy, especially now that it's all paved. And that's true. But there's something special to it because of the history behind it. I mean, this is Pike's Peak. This is the second oldest road race in North America. Um, you know, this is a huge historic hill climb. This is like a famous road. It's also, I think, the second or third highest road in all of North America, also, or at least in all of all of the U.S. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of things that make it cool, even if it's not the most turns or the biggest incline or anything like, like that. It's just a cool road to be on. Plus, when you get to the top and the clouds clear, you can see forever. Nice. Like, it would not surprise me if they're like, you see that mountain peak over there? That's California. Like, that, that, that would not have surprised <laughs> me even the slightest. You're so high up. Um, it was just, yeah, if you ever make it to Colorado and you don't make it to Pikes Peak, you're doing life wrong. I'll have to remember that. Yeah. Other cars I drove when I'm there, and, and I'm not going to talk in detail about all of them because they're all going to have pieces on the, on the site, and I don't want to spend three hours talking about them. So over the next couple a, of, of podcasts, we're going to sort of go through a couple of them. Um, oh, I've got a question in the podcast. How did Nancy do at that high altitude? Surprisingly good. Um, so having a supercharger, she's got forced forced in, induction, so that helps with the power drop. Um, but never once did I really think I needed more power. That might have been on my mostly slick, barely DOT racing or barely DOT approved tires and the slimy wet road. But um, yeah, I was never like, you know, I, I really want thirty or forty more ponies. That was that was never a well, thought I had. You know, the thing I just thought about, yeah, you're in Colorado. If you bring it down to like Florida or even Tennessee. You're gonna have like extra power because you're yeah. not at like forty five thousand feet or whatever they're at. Um, um I think our, Junction's at five thousand feet, but yeah, the top of Pikes Pikes Peak is fourteen thousand twelve hundred or fourteen thousand two hundred or something like like that. And I'm sure those horsepower numbers were taken at like five thousand feet. So. Yeah, all their all their numbers are measured at their in-house dyno. The problem yeah. is the problem is down here you can't use that kind of power because you have grandma in front of you doing twenty miles an hour down the highway. So in Florida, maybe <laughs> not in Tennessee. That's what I mean. <laughs> down here, you can't even use that power. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, my area is not too bad. We just run off the road. But yeah, um, <laughs> so so some of some of the other cars though that I got to drive that you should look forward to listening to in a couple of weeks. Um, Atomic Betty which is a 422-ish at-the-wheels-measured horsepower V8 inside of an NC. Yes. Uh, then I drove Elvis. Elvis has the hotter cam inside of the 6.2, so he's running the 480 cam. Holy um, I th- Yeah, I think they measured him at, like, 450 or something at the wheels. <laughs> I could imagine, like, a V8 lub and, like, a... Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Elvis is in an NB, so he's a little bit smaller and he weighs a little bit less. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Nancy is the best Miata I drove there. Um, the best car was Atomic Betty. She doesn't feel like a Miata so much anymore because she has so much thrust. She feels more like a really good long-distance GT car. She um, was a higher-level trim when they got her, so she's got leather seats and leather interior and all that sort of stuff. Really nice. She's a power hardtop, and the power hardtop works. You just sort of 
have the top up, you can cruise around all day, but when you want to, you can drop the top and stand on the gas pedal. And um, it will, by the way, break loose from a dead stop in fourth gear. <laughs> you can because put it in fourth. Yeah, well, so, like, because I... Basically, the car has a dogleg gearbox. I never used first. It's just second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. So it's like having a five-speed dogleg box. Um... But I could, if I wasn't careful, I'd break free in second. And I thought, this will just be funny to see. So I put it in fourth, gave it a bit of gas, dumped off the clutch. Just smoke and noise behind me. It's like, holy crap. With Elvis, the uh, one with the four with, with the 480 cam in it, I was able to do a burnout in fifth. <laughs> just put it in fifth, rev the snot out of it, and dump, dump the clutch, and it'll just light the rear tires on fire. It's just like, this is insane. Wow. Um, I also drove a car called the Turbo Smurf, which is quite possibly one of the best cars ever for Miatas. Um, it is Keith Tanner's personal car. It's his wife's car, and it's his daily driver. So it's not really powerful. It's not really crazy. The suspension is not really hard, but he's fiddled with every tiny thing for years, so everything is just about perfect. It's like 220 horsepower or something. Um, the turbo comes in really smooth. He's done some molding on the seat foam to make it fit you a little bit better. He's redone all the gauges on the inside. He's put extra sound dampening in it. The suspension is tuned to be just sporty enough that you can cane on it, but nice and comfortable for long trips. I mean, it's very, very well done car. Um, I also drove Igor, which is their parts bin car. Um, he's got interior. He's got exterior panels from like five cars, and all of his interior is off the shelf. It's basically a what can you do with off the shelf parts? And he's like a 250 horsepower turbo car. Um, nice. Yeah, that one was pretty sweet. I also drove the ex the the Exoset, which holy crap! I think I'm gonna buy one of those because they're dirt freaking cheap. You can what have Exo. It? It's basically like an aerial Atom, but it's better. So, better than Atom. Yes. So apparently the Atom actually slightly sucks. The Atom was built as a design piece to be like, look at this thing we can do. It just happens to be pretty good at what it does because it weighs so little. The Exocet takes that same idea, but from the moment it was designed is, let's make every single decision based on making it go faster, not how it looks and how interesting it is. And then there's an Atlanta company that bought the rights to the UK Exocet and redesigned it a bit, so it's something like several hundred percent stiffer than the UK version, and you can buy one. And the shell itself is like $6,000, and it is made to bolt directly to a Miata roller, roller skate. So you can buy a wrecked Miata, unbolt the body, and basically just drop the Exocet shell on top of it. And you can find a nice wrecked Miata for about a grand. So you're looking at $7,000 to have one of these race cars. If wow. you want, if you want new wheels, brakes, and good racing seats, like still all together, you're looking at less than ten thousand dollars. Hmm. Yeah, like sounds like I, a whole lot of fun. Yeah, um, I didn't get to drive it as much as I wanted to. Almost all my time was on track with the Exocet, <laughs> and it is beyond capable. So um, my first car on the track was Yoke, the yellow one with with the two O stroker. Um, Locked up all four wheels coming into turn turn one with the brakes. Almost threw it off the track. That was fun. That's scary. Um, yeah, well, so we're driving around the track, and the brakes, because it's got their, their their big brake kit, is so good. I was at, like, this looks like a braking zone. This is where I've seen other, pe other people braking, and I stood on the pedal, and I basically almost came to a stop, like, 50 or 60 feet before turn-in. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, there that was early. And the guy and the guy in the car with me is like, yeah, the brakes on this are really awesome. Try going a little bit deeper. So the next time I went around, I'm like, well, all right, I've braked here. Let's try braking up there. That looks really deep. And it was like, shit, too deep, too deep, too deep. <laughs> I locked up all four, pointed at the corner. Um, I got it together, and I was able to stop the slide, and I got the car stopped before I actually went all the way off the track. I got two wheels off just on the edge. Um, wow. Yeah. But uh, the best time I set in that car was the slowest time I set in the Exocet. And wow. the Exocet is running That's... a stock 1999 motor. It's, the Exocet has better brakes and better suspension, but it's running a stock motor and stock trans- transmission and rear end. It's, it's just a stock drive 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 line. It's like, holy crap. And uh, every lap I did in the Exocet, I cut a second and a half off. Just boom, boom, boom. Um, and I mean, these are like like one minute, 10, 10 second to one minute, 15 second laps on the slow side. And I was cutting a second and a half off every single lap because you're pushing on the car and you're like, I'm going to break here. Holy crap, I could break way later than that. And you turn the wheel and you're like, holy crap, I could turn in a lot faster than that. Holy crap, I can accelerate sooner. And you just keep doing that every lap. And every lap you're like, the car is still laughing at me for not trying hard enough. And then I just ran out of laps. Um, so like if I could get more laps in that thing, like, you can go seriously quickly. Wow. And again, less than $10,000. Like, you could probably buy the Shell and the Miata and take it to a mechanic and have it built and probably still come out for, like, ten dollars or $11,000. Like, like, it's so bonkers what you can do with so little money with this thing. Um, other cars... I really hate you because now I'm, yeah. you know... Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, and you're talking to a, a Miata fan, like a true Miata fan, and me, I'm obsessed with Miata, so I'm like, ah, I'm over here itching myself and scratching my neck. I'm, I'm fiending for a Miata now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I want to go back next year, because after everyone drove the Exocet, like this thing is great, and they talked about a turbo, but then the idea came up: what if they take the two-liter Stroker out of yoke and put it in the Exocet? Instead of going forced induction, just stick with high compression, high power, naturally aspirated. And, um, like, I'm already making plans to go back to drive that damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I think I may be joining you for that one. Yeah, other other cars they had there, uh, obviously they had the V8 target, target car, which is bonkers. They had the Catfish, which is a brand new kit, kit car that's like the Exocet, but it doesn't look ugly. Uh, they just got that finished for my time there. Does that promise really good things and deliver uh, not-so-good stuff? The catfish. No, so um, the, <laughs> the balance is a little bit different. So the the catfish is going to be harder than drive. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to let it be. I'm going to keep going. The catfish is harder to drive because um, the Exocet has the exact balance of, of a Miata, so it's like 51 front, 40, 49 rear. With the way the seating and everything is done in the catfish, the catfish is like a 60-40 car, and you sit farther back, so it's a little different to drive. But um, it's not slow. <laughs> Cracking yourself up. Mark, huh? <laughs> Mark, I'm gonna mute your mic. Psychic like girlfriend. <laughs> I need more coffee. I'll be right back. Yeah, let's let Mark go. Holy crap! <laughs> He's gotta compose himself a little bit there. <laughs> Anyways, all kinds of cars, all kinds of awesomeness. I also drove because one of the guys there, his name is Daryl. He was a super cool guy. He was one of the volunteers. It was like, I want you to drive my turbo car because they didn't build it. This is what one guy can do in a garage with their parts. And it felt every bit as good as every one of their cars. Like, just buttoned down like a rock. Awesome. 
really put a lot of faith into me about not just the work that FM can do, but just their parts in general. I mean, this guy's like, I bought their parts from the catalog, bolted them on, and this is what happened. Yeah, and everything is as good as their stuff. Everything Fly Me Out makes is awesome. I have their full intake kit. I have their uh, blow-off valve. I have their uh, boost controller and a couple other little bits, and every single bit is just awesome. The only thing on my car that's not Fly Me Out is the intercooler. That's only because I get a slightly bigger one for a little bit cheaper, and it's essentially the same thing. Um, but everything else is all Fly Miata, so they make quality stuff. They also have a super bonkers turbo car. Um, it's called Pokey. Pokey has a stroked 1.8, so it's now a 2-liter stroker engine that's been built, and he's running all of the boost in the world. Um, they run the dyno on him at, like, 4.15 at the wheels, so, 2-liter turbo, Miata, 400-plus horses. That car is insane. That That's the one car they have that's not easy to drive. That sucker will kill somebody. Because, like, the boost comes on a little bit early, and you're like, yeah, I've got extra power. And then you hit, like, 3,600 RPMs or something, and the boost just comes Smash in. in the face. <laughs> yeah, you're not ready for it when that boost kicks in. I mean, it is, it is a kick in the ass. Like, there is a donkey sitting in that back seat just waiting to, like, punch you. It's like, oh, man. Yes. <laughs> That's Pokey. Pokey is insane. Awesome. I Pokey love, is kind of their test is. bed. Yeah. Pokey is kind of their test bed for, like, really how far they can push some of that stuff. Um, it's, oh, man. I just, I, I had an incredible time. I met some incredible people. I went on some great drives. Uh, beyond the Pike Speak thing, we also did a drive across the uh, Colorado National Monument. Um, there should be a video of that that's going up later today along with a full day-by-day -day diary of everything that happened on the trip. So if you guys are interested in that, check it out. It's super awesome, super fun. I I had a blast. If you can, seriously, it is worth making the trip out there. If you can get out there, it's not expensive. I think for the track days, their fee this year was like, it's $90 a day. Like that's your fee for the day. You pay $90, $90 a day for the track thing. To get on the Colorado National Monument was like 10 bucks. For the uh, banquet dinner, I think ticket prices for that were like 20 bucks. I mean, like, you can, a couple hundred dollars is all it'll cost you aside from getting there and staying. Like, that's their only fee for being there at this thing. And they give away stuff. Like, they gave, they, they gave away springs, they gave away VMAX suspension setups, they gave away sway bars. I mean, wow. they gave away a bunch of cool stuff, too. So you show up, they have a raffle, and like 10 or 12 people, like, walked away with tools and car parts and all this stuff. So, I mean, like, basically they charge you just enough for them to break even, and the rest of it, it's like they just want you there to have fun. This isn't some big thing for them to make a ton of money. They just enjoy having people out there and having an excuse to spend three or four days just enjoying life. So, if you can make it, I highly recommend it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, th I think I'll have to schedule that for next year. <laughs> it's I, nice think, I think we should make it a three-man trip. Yeah, yes. you know, we'll do a podcast from the track. Uh, we'll That's make sure right. to take a... That'll be awesome, yeah. actually. <laughs> we're gonna make, we're gonna make sure we take a Buick uh, lacrosse with four G with four G LTE. Yep, <laughs> and we'll just we'll just be in the car. Plus, next year will be a super exciting year because the ND will be out. Mm -hmm. So I guarantee you, they're gonna have one of those at at the shop, and they're already gonna be working on parts, and you can see their prototypes. Which we got to see that we got to see their prototyping process. Um, they've got a three D printer, so they make up CAD designs and they print stuff to make sure it fits before they send it off to have it machined and all that That's sort of awesome. stuff. We got to see new parts they have coming out. I mean, seriously, it's sounds like a really like, quality operation. Quality operation. Actually, and like that's the thing that blew me away. Like it's there again. There's like 15 or 16 employees, and that's everything: shipping, 
you know, design, phone calls, actually me mechanic work. Like, it's a tiny, tiny company. It's essentially like a dozen people in a shed in the middle of the desert in Colorado. And their stuff is every bit as buttoned down and as solid as something you'll buy from a place like Hennessy. I mean, it is insane, the job that they do. Nice. Like, hands down, some of the best work I've ever seen. They pay attention to all the details. Everything is well-designed, well-implemented. Impl they don't cut any corners. I mean, it's, yeah, seriously awesome stuff. But let's stop talking about that because we can talk about it some more next week. Uh, let's break into some news. Uh, let's start with Mark. Uh, BMW is going to be maybe doing some more weird hybrid-y stuff. What do you know about that? Yeah, so apparently in two years, uh, BMW is going to turn 100, and they're going to throw themselves a little birthday party. And we to celebrate, Yeah, to celebrate their little 100 birthday party celebration thing, they're going to make some cool cars. So we've got the i8, and what they're going to do is kind of make an M1 version of the i8, and they're going to call it the i9. And they're going to swap the i8's puny little three-cylinder out for a nice uh, twin-power three-liter uh, inline-six, making some decent horsepower. And they're going to keep all the hybrid stuff, and they're going to make a really nice uh, high-performance uh, supercar out of the i8, which is going to be fantastic because that car looks the part. It really does. They're also going to be talking about um, – well, they're already talking about it – making an i5, which is it's kind of like an i3. But apparently it's going to be longer and a little bit bigger to kind of, uh, you know, work for families. So the i9 is the the halo car. The i5 is like the everyman kind of car. So like you can go to the store and buy it and actually use it. So they're kind of doing both things. Uh, the i8 is going to come out for like 2016 and kind of be their, you know, halo car. That's going to be the one that leads the celebration. The i5 is going to be the one that comes out probably the following year, and that's what's likely going to debut at the birthday celebration. So we can all look forward to that. So so basically what they're going to do is, we're having a birthday. Look at this awesome thing we built. Yeah. By the way, even though we're having a birthday, we still need some money, so here's something you can actually buy. <laughs> you got it. That's it. That's all they're going to do. Money. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the i8 or the i9, I mean, yeah, that's not going to be a very cheap car. In fact, it's probably going to be insanely expensive. I'm going to say four or five hundred grand. Yeah, the yeah. i8's over a hundred, so yeah, the i9's got to be. I mean, yeah, at least at least seventy-five thousand dollars more than that. Yeah. I mean, well, come yeah, on. I think it depends on their power output. If if between the motor and the transmission or and the electric thing, they're only getting about four hundred fifty or five hundred ponies. I think they're probably going to position it as like a four five eight competitor, maybe like two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars. If yeah. they can push that horsepower closer to six fifty or so, they might position it as like a cheaper alternative to the P one nine one eight that sort of thing, and yeah. maybe go four or five. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, like if you think about it, I mean they could throw the the. BMW M3 engine into this and get some ser some pretty serious power. Because, well, if the BMW is making, like, what, 450, 460 horsepower out of that inline six? Yeah. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. And uh, then add, yeah, on top like of, add on top of that a hyper-power drain? That's serious numbers. Hopper power! <laughs> Woo-woo! Electricity! <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, we're excited about it. So, yeah, that's that's the news on BMW. All right, cool. What but else Justin, do we, we got, got some good stuff? Huh? Yeah, you do. 
Yeah, we got uh, old Hennessy and Bugatti going back and forth now. Uh, we ran a story um, a couple days ago on the 5th, to be exact, about the brand new Hennessy Venom F5 greatness, all 1,400 horsepower worth of 7.0 liter American muscle. And they're basically going to go after the Guinness record. Um, you can tell there's a little bit of hurt there from them because they didn't get a shot at the Guinness record because of the down and back rule, plus they were short by, I think, two units. But I'm sure if they would have made the down and back, they would have... Uh, slated the other two units to complete it. Yeah. Um, but since they didn't do that, they said, okay, well, screw you, Bugatti. We're going to outdo you completely and make a 290-mile-per-hour half-Ferrari, LaFerrari, Lotus-looking thing that has 1,400 horsepower and weighs only a couple pounds more than the Venom GT. I just well, – this is insane. <laughs> that came out. Now, Christian, you can't say it's got too much power. Well, no, that's like all I the, say. the the idea that some company is going, you know what we're gonna do? A two hundred and ninety mile an hour road road car. That. <laughs> but but I what, need to get to the story worse? really quickly. What's worse? Okay, this is the craziest part. Is just days after that. What is it? Uh, a day after exactly. Uh, Bugatti gets on the horn with, uh, I think it was Autocar, if I'm remembering correctly, um, and decides to release some information about the Bugatti Veyron successor. Um, they say, well, our car is not going to be able to be really tested for top speed. We have to do it in a computer simulation, and it's going to be in excess of 290 miles per hour. So screw you, Hennessy. This is what we have. Um, supposed to have 1,400-plus horsepower hybrid powertrain quad turbocharged W16 insanity. Um, so basically now we have Bugatti and Hennessy going back-to-back, -back, day by day, fighting one another over who's going to be winning in the future. Um, if either one gets produced, I don't know. Um, the Bugatti one, it's kind of been in the works for a very, very long time. The Veyron's, what, nine years old now? It's getting uh, up there, yeah. It really hasn't changed very much in nine years, with the exception of a whole slew of special editions. Right, they added 200 horsepower for for the SS, and that's about it. Yeah. You remember and the then... M&M car? <laughs> <laughs> we we had her we had her commenters uh, Photoshop a, a car a um, no no, no was that jelly, belly. Jelly, jelly belly yeah. jelly belly yeah, that's jelly what belly. it was oh gosh <laughs> that was amazing and and you know and now Hennessy is they're kind of showing off they're kind of trying to show each other up um, where it's gonna go I don't know um, Hennessy is gonna have the, the the harder part here because they actually I believe have to actually sell. 30 units. I don't think they can just slate 30 units. I think they actually have to sell all 30. Uh, I think they just have to produce 30. Really? I thought they had to actually sell all 30. I, I could be mistaken. I mean, I don't They're think probably... that'll be too hard. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Venom GT is still sitting at 16 units sold. Um, so it but would, have they made be... any more? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they they have twenty eight ready to go, and they've only oh. sold 16 at 1.2 million dollars. Yeah, maybe if they, you know. And the F5 is going to be over $1.2 million. So. Oh well, you know what? You know what's really funny about this whole argument between these two companies? Um, they are already lost, especially if you're going to go by computer numbers. Because um, back to flying Miata, guess how fast, in theory, their V8 Miatas will go? Oh, I'm going to say 315. 306. 306. Oh, my. That's ridiculous. Well, so, so that is if you take the engine to rev rev line or to to the red to the red line in sixth gear with the way their rear end is spaced with the gearing theoretically that car will do 306 miles an hour oh. i would not be in that car <laughs> but will it now that's in theory now aerodynamically will it actually make it that far that's the actual question does it get up to about 250 probably not and because the miata is actually a very non aerodynamic yeah, car yeah they're, they're not that slow um, i 
I would I would say because uh, we sort of talked about it, but obviously no real testing has been done. We think you could probably get close to 200 in Keith's uh, V8 target car with the downforce to hold it steady. We we think you could probably do 180 to 200 depending. But yeah, in but again, Bugatti just said we can't test how fast this will go. We have to do computer models. So I'm just gonna say, if you want to go just on pure math and computer models, theoretically, a V8 Miata will do 306 miles an hour. Here's, here's so another, take that million dollar supercars. <laughs> here's another issue that that, that um, Autocar brought up was the fact that there are really no tires on the market that can handle 290 miles per hour. They just fly apart at that point. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because Veyron, when that first came out, had to have tires specifically made for that car. Yeah, Yeah. and and the production car, it has to have production road legal tires, according to Guinness. Yep. Oh, actual fun and interesting fact. Did you know that the tires on the Veyron were not set to go 258 miles an hour? When they were designed, Michelin's like, we know these tires will handle 245. They're like, we know it'll do that. 250, 258, we don't know. You're on your own there, Bugatti, sorry. <laughs> and yeah. the test driver's like, yeah, it's just my life, I'm not worried about it. Man, it's fine. It's all good, homies. Um, you know, if I was a rich man, I would build like a 20-mile track in the middle of nowhere that was just perfectly level. That would charge these companies like... Perfectly level part. Yeah, I would charge these companies like $10,000 a run. Just oh, to prove they'll themselves. pay way more than that. Oh, yeah. You know, $100,000 a run. Just to prove themselves, you know? Yeah. And I would make all the money back, and then I would have a great landing strip and test bed and, uh, you know, whatever. I've thought about that same thing before, just buying a huge chunk of land out in the middle of, like, the Arizona desert. And just paving it. Yep. <laughs> all right. Um, you know what? Let's talk about some more mighty, mighty horsepower stuff. Um, Mark, Infinity is touting a few things, aren't they? To Infinity and beyond. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you are father, aren't you? <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking that too. Nice Disney reference. <sighs> <sighs> Sorry there, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, back to... Uh, let, me, let me grab my man card back from you. Um, <laughs> and it's not Disney, that's Pixar, by the way. Christian, um, which who is now Pixar. owned by... No, I'll shut up. So anyway. <laughs> it's the top uh, speed podcast, guys. Top speed. <laughs> I'm just going to sign off here. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> okay, okay. Sh- shut up, shut up. Infinity, the car maker, which builds cars that go fast. So anyway, we think they're going to make a really, really fast 700-horsepower four-door uh, coupe sedan. Um, that you haven't officially named this car yet, but according to their nomenclature and how their Q and X and QX stuff works, we're looking at like the Q80 or the Q90. So is it going to kind of share the same Mercedes platform that they bought from Mercedes a couple couple miles ago? Uh, rear-wheel drive, and it's going to have a turbocharged V6 likely derived from the GTR. So we're kind of looking at a bigger Q50 El Rouge, but making 700 horsepower. I think they should call it the Q700. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Really so, yeah, I mean, that's out. what we're looking at. Uh, it's going to be pretty fantastic. Uh, we're looking at a price of over $100,000, of course. And, um, you know, it's going to be pretty pretty insane. As far as, like, the specific stuff about the car, well, all of that's still out because it's, you know, 
all of it yeah. is uh, it's pretty pretty new. Now I'm curious about this since it's, since it's based on the uh, the GTR. I'm wondering if this might be the same drivetrain we're going to see in the future GTR. So we're talking about the hybridization of the GTR. Is this going to be hybrid? And it's going to be shared? Yeah, that might be a possibility too. You know that uh, that 700, 700 horsepower could be a combined from the you know 500 horsepower uh, GTR engine and a hybrid system. So yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. I mean they they could be up to something uh, really big like that. Because point number two. Point number yeah. two, I'm sick of car companies calling four doors coupes. I know it has to do with the roof line, but I'm so sick of that. I mean, uh, I know technically it's a coupe, yes. Technically a coupe is the roof line, but in, in modern the day... The hell it is. It's two doors. And in, in, in the actual literal trans, literal definition, it's the roof line. But I'm, but we've come to become used to it's two or four doors, okay? You can't have a, a four-door coupe. Right, you know, that's... Freaking Mercedes... Yeah, Audi. Mercedes started that crap. Yeah, they no, Mercedes. Yeah, Mercedes started started that with the CLS. Yeah, which looks so. really stupid. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, yeah, we we gotta move on. Yeah, yeah. Man, we're way over. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we're not way over yet. We're only at an hour. We're we're over now. Um, let's go ahead and jump to questions and answers. How does that sound? Well, well, let's t- touch on the LTS first. First, that's a really important. Oh yeah, I forgot about yes. that thing. Cadillac, Cadillac is getting the XTS. Yay! Bye bye front wheel drive, and they're bringing in the LTS flagship supposedly next year at the New York International Auto Show. It's going to be somewhat based on the El Mirage. Uh, God, what a beautiful car! Oh, it's so beautiful. It's going to be plus two doors. It's kind of the style that they're going for now. They're going for the vertical headlights, LED accents, and all that goodness. It's going to be an awesome looking car. I just hope, hope, hope they bring that 4.5 liter twin turbo V8 with the El Mirage, because it's supposed to be competing with the uh, S Class and the 7 Series. So they need that big massive V8 to compete with the higher end versions. So we'll find out next year oh if it's gosh. actually coming. Or they can just put the LT4 in it. No, no, they need that 4.5. No. 4.5 twin turbo. No, 650 horsepower, 6.2. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking. I was sorry. I was thinking about the the stock uh, C7 engine. I'm sorry. You're talking no, about no, 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 no. That's the LT1. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. The LT4. Okay. Yeah, LT4. Okay, yeah, that's good. I like. <laughs> but yes, we'll see. We'll find out next year at New York, which happens in April. Yeah, I I am I am so happy for Cadillac because they have turned themselves around in the last 10 years, and they've gone from making the craptastic like crap tastic Deville and all that junk to make Oh my gosh, please. Like Katera, the caddy that zigs. Oh the Katera, the Australian Cadillac. Oh what a terrible car. You know what? That's actually that's actually a a good place to uh, stop us because uh, our first question for our question and answer section comes from Sammy eight three three and it's guys, what would you pick as the top three most boring cars sold in America today? Oh. So yeah. why don't we do one each? All right. I wrote Corolla. that <laughs> Corolla. No, you're wrong because that car is no, not boring. Actually, yeah. Well, the new right. one, yeah, you can't really say it's boring. The Camry is though. I'm gonna, yeah. The Camry's yeah. probably one of the most boring things you can buy. Yeah. Yeah, I have a family member that has a Camry, and it literally kind of drives your soul out when you drive it. Okay. I wrote down three, so I got to pick one out of my three. Um, let's see. Yeah. One's a rental car lot. One's a truck that hasn't changed in like five decades. Another one's an SUV I can't stand. Why don't you just name them? Just name them. Okay, I'll just say the CRV tops off okay. my list. The Nissan Frontier is second, and the Chevy Impala, the rental car, is Ooh. <laughs> even with the redesign, it's still a turd. Yeah, but no, it looks no, really no. Good the now. redesign isn't bad. 
Well, but yeah, but is it still boring to drive? And I've not driven it yet. But no, like yeah. every every time I see a new one on the highway, I'm like, what the hell is that thing? That looks great. Oh, it's an Impala, and I feel like an idiot because I'm like, wow, what is that good-looking? Curse you, GM! <laughs> yeah, well, see, the bad thing is GM is still making the past-generation Impala for mm-hmm. – so you can still buy a brand new last generation Impala. Uh, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have something awesome. I have something awesome to share. Courtesy of Finns in the comments. Take the Cadillac Catera and merge it with the CTS and you have the Cataracts. The <laughs> car. Thank you, Finn. Um, and it just comes with those uh, black glasses that fit over your <laughs> yes. <bicycle. laughs> yes. <laughs> they're like they're like this big. Oh my god, that's the best. Oh, man. But but let me let me actually add a little bit to that Impala. I'm talking the four cylinder four cylinder Impala. The three point six liters actually is somewhat decent car. I really want to drive one of those. Four cylinder. In the Frontier, I'm sorry that thing hasn't changed in like fifteen years. I, I yeah, but it's still a solid freaking truck. I like yes, it. Yes, and he's not going to put a diesel in it, so don't hate on it. Now, when they bring that diesel out, I'll scratch it off my list. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys are all wrong. You're wrong. Oh, whoa. You're wrong. That's my okay. line, ho. Yeah, I'm using it because you're wrong. The most absolute, terrible, most boring car built today, the Mitsubishi Mirage. Okay. All right. Damn it, you win. <laughs> well, I don't – I don't. you know what? I don't know because I have friends who have driven the Mirage. And they say it's one of those weird cars that's it's it's kind of like the 500, where it's really 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 teeny tiny and kind of terrible, but because of that you can beat on it a lot and it feels kind of fun. 74 horsepower. What? what? Weighs like 74 horsepower. And the Fiat <laughs> only has 99. Not the Abarth. No, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, Abarth is awesome. Oh, by the way, Mark, you had that this week, didn't you? Oh my gosh, I loved it. Um, yeah, would you fact, call that top a convertible top? Would you say that that is a real convertible when you put I, the top down? If if I'm going to explain it to someone else, yeah, I'm going to call it a convertible. I don't. I would call it a target top because that's what it is. Well, no, it's not a target go. top. It's not a target top. You're still incorrect. It is more correct than calling it a true convertible. I disagree. Because the top, the, door... the top goes all the way away. Yes. A target top, a, a target top only goes from A pillar to B pillar. That's it. Uh, a target no. top is just a T top without the T. When you open the doors, there are pillars still in existence that the doors close to. It's still a convertible. So the top is still wrong. there. It's you like someone took a sawzall <laughs> and cut out the roof. <laughs> You know what? I really don't know what happened. Mark's mic just shut off. Isn't that the weirdest thing? Yeah, yeah. I hold the power. You are incorrect. <laughs> you guys are going to get it, I swear. Wow. <laughs> hey, I'm on your side. I agree with you. It's a target top. It's a target don't top. Don't make me mute your mic, too. All right. Now, listen. This is going to make a great transition into our next point because um, – hang on. Yeah, Red Grant asked if we had a 16-year-old son who wanted to buy, and we wanted to buy him a first car, and we wanted something that you know he likes driving, and we wanted to buy him something nice but cheap and fun. My answer: the 500C Abarth, or just the 500 Abarth, not the convertible. 
Oh, see, I think that is the exact opposite answer of what I would I would do. It's not overly fast, so he's not going to really hurt himself. It's, it's 160 fun. horsepower in a car that weighs as much as a shoe. <laughs> that also drives mostly like shit. I like that car. I'm no, no, no. Like, I'm, I'm I really love good. that car. And again, if 16-year-old if me was building a car, that's the car I would build. The seating position is terrible. The suspension is terrible. It understeers absolutely everywhere. It torque steers so bad that after 15 miles, you'd have arms like Popeye. Like, <laughs> that car is bad in every way, but it's incredible to drive because it's silly and I nuts. loved it. But I don't know if it's something I would give somebody for them to learn how to drive in because they're going to learn a lot of really bad habits because that car should be driven a very specific way. I would buy them a Miata. I would find a nice used Miata for five to seven grand. That 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 will get me a fairly decent N N B or a really nice N A, and that would be his first car. That's a decent pick. I'd I'd say probably an older version of the Scion TC. Um, it's a nice balance of economy and a little bit of sportiness. They can learn to drive, and if they smash it off something, you're not out a whole pile of money. And it's a Toyota. Yeah, the only thing wrong with the Miata is that it's rear-wheel drive, and why I w- and while I want them to learn rear-wheel drive car dynamics, front-wheel drive is safer. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my thing is, like, whatever my kid – in all reality, whatever my kid has the first car, it's going to be something cheap to replace and and safe. You know? And I'm looking forward to, you know, the cars that we have in you right now they're going to be like the right age for them to have when they're 16. Yeah. So my child's first first car I'm going to go buy my old 1965 pickup truck that I got rid of with the 3 speed on the column and that's what I'm going to make him learn to drive in. Oh, wow. You want to learn to drive experience. manual transmission. Learn to drive a real one. This is drive like a man. <laughs> this is the one to learn on. <laughs> this is how you double clutch, little Johnny. <laughs> oh man. Oh god, the clutch on that thing was like 47 feet long. Like it was like, "Okay, you're going to go ready to clutch. You got to put your elbow or your knee up by your ear." Like, "Okay, there's the pedal." <laughs> it was nuts. <laughs> Wow. All right. We've been going on way too long, like absolute just, idiots talking about you, really nothing at all. Just trying to imagine you trying to uh, heel-toe that thing. <laughs> no, dude, there's no heel-toeing that thing. <laughs> yeah, heel-toe. Ha. There was, well, I actually got the clutch this time. <laughs> all right. We're going to go and we're going to wrap things up with our own drive burn, and this one is from one person who used to to be my little favorite topspeed.comer because he was on every single live podcast. But um, we haven't heard from him this podcast, and also he gave us a terrible, terrible own drive burn. Yes. So Hulty, um, Hulty joined in with last week's episode and left us an own drive burn. Um, if you guys love so much Aston Martins, here are three for own drive burn. He has given us the Aston Martin V12 Zagato. <sighs> The Aston Martin Rapide Shooting Brake by Bertone, and the Aston Martin DB9 Spider Centennial. Yeah. Because For the record, I'm not really face. that big of an Aston fan. Well, you're fired. Your mic again. <laughs> you're not. No. Un- Mark was kicked from the phone call. Um. Anyways, I'm gonna go first. Um. I think I'm gonna burn the Rapide Shooting Brake. While I love the idea of a long swoopy. Uh, Aston Martin wagon. The front end is from the Rapide S, and I hate the new gaping grille. And it's also probably the least interesting and exciting to me of the three. 
Drive Once would be the Spider Centennial. It is kind of ugly in that they ripped off the old, like, late 70s, early 80s Lagonda sort of face to make the front of it. But um, it's still interesting. It's still cool. It's still like a one-off, awesome, exciting sort of thing with a really big purpose behind it. I mean, it's the Centennial Edition. I mean, this was a big deal. So I drive that once to say I did and to get pictures of me in it because that's cool. But, like, seriously, every single day to wake up with a V12 Zagato in the driveway and go, I'm going to go for a drive, like, life is pretty sweet. Yeah, I pretty much mirrored what you said. Um, I'd have to own the Zagato. That is just one of the sexiest cars I've seen. It's fast. It's awesome. Ah, whole lot of goodness. The DB9 Spider, I'd, I'd want to drive once just to say I drove it. I'm on the same same pattern of you as you. It's, it's kind of weird. They ripped off the Lagonda, and it's not overly sexy. It's just a cool car. Um, and the Rapid Bartone, I'm not a shooting brake fan, number one. It also has the old Rapid engine, which is the lower horsepower, so it's not overly fast. And it's just to me, it just kind of looks silly. I think To see a nice, sharp ass in front end with the big shooting brake back end is just kind of creepy to me. So I'd have to burn that. But, you know, I'd hate to do it, but I'd have to burn it. Wow. You guys are just wrong. I don't know. No, no, we're not. All right, Come so here's the man with the Chevrolet hat on. <laughs> like a rock. <laughs> like a rock. That was, that was the best ad campaign in the world. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so, okay. The DB9 Spider Centennial. I, go ahead and give me the gasoline now. That thing is just something else. That's that's seven counts of ugly right there. I don't know it what to say about it. it. It isn't the prettiest thing. I will it is, do that. The, that grill and the headlight integration is just about the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's all I gotta say. That's that's pretty rough. Uh, I would drive once the V12 Zagata. It is yeah, it's really cool. I do have to say that. And I also think I see where um, uh, Scion totally stole the rear end from the BRZ or the FRS. It's right there. <laughs> I see it. It's. Yeah. Plain as day, right there. But I would drive that one once, and then I would own the shooting brake. Because it is, it is the most practical. I'll give you because that. I'm a man, and I can haul my guns, and I can take my dogs hunting, as what a shooting brake is designed to do. Yeah, but but like double bubble roof, man. Like you don't get to have the double bubble roof yeah. all the time. My my and, roof is a double bubble because it's double the size that yours is. I'm sorry, but you are so wrong in not keeping the V12 Zagato. So not only is it Aston's smallest and lightest car, it's got their biggest engine, and that is the prettiest Aston ever created. Yes. It's all right. Oh, no. Mark got muted again. <laughs> oh. No, I'm not. <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, thank you again, everyone, for for putting up with us and our insanity. I'm sorry the show started a few minutes late today. Um, you know, life complications. Still tired from trips to around the country. Um, anyways, thank you again for joining us. This has been the TopSpeed.com podcast. Uh, I am Christian Mo. If you want to follow me, not here, you can just follow my weird ramblings and see some of what I'm driving, what I'm doing on my Twitter account. That is at Moford, that is M-O-E-F-E-R-D. You can do the same for Mr. Justin Coupler. You can find him at the Car Junkie. Mark McNabb is on the Twitter, but mostly he uses the Instagram. Either way, you can find him on both, at Mark McNabb. Otherwise, you can follow us on the podcast. The podcast is at Top Speed Podcast. Um, otherwise, please send us all your questions, comments, concerns. If there's things you like, things you don't like, please let us know. Don't forget to send us your questions and your suggestions for Own Drive Burn. I am currently out of Own Drive Burn, so unless I get some this time... 
I'm going to have to make up something terrible for next week. So please go ahead and send us all those. You can leave those in the comments. You can also email us those. Email address is podcast at topspeed.com. Otherwise, it's been a wonderful, wonderful week. We like having you guys here with us. Please have a safe Friday, a safe weekend, and uh, I think we'll see everyone next Thursday. Does that, that sound like a plan to you guys? Sounds good to me. Drive uh, happy. Again, because something broke, I have got my guitar. Um, I'm not going to play a G or a C or an E. I F chord. Yeah. F chord. F minor. <laughs> yeah. No, no effing minors. That gets you arrested. Ba-dum-chish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. F major. Um, all right. Don't forget, please keep your eyes on topspeed.com. We have lots of crazy cool news all of the time. If you're interested in more Miata news, I have pieces going up all week and probably a few at the beginning of next week. And again, over the next couple podcasts, I'm going to be spending more time talking about the cool cars I drove for Flying Miata at the summer camp. If you have questions about that, you can also find me on the Twitters and all that sort of stuff and ask me about that there. Otherwise, thank you everyone again. Have a great Friday, a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. So, um, yeah. I have to hit the stop broadcast button and then continue.